1: listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
0: Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 512 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet and this is the weekender the 106th edition of the weekender so thanks for for joining us for our uh, trip down uh, random topic generation wheel time and general hedonism where we talk about all the things that make life worth living and for i don't know because of several weeks in a row where Getting access to my recording studio is problematic, and we don't know where her Yeti mic is. Cheryl W five M O O will not be joining us; it will just be Bill and myself again. I'm Russ K five T U X, and I'm Bill N e four R D. And Bill is uh, fresh back from National Jamboree, so woot woot. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> blew in the Billings at
2: eleven o'clock local time last night. Yes, give or take, and uh, <laughs> yeah, right on the button. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, is funny because, like, when I was, uh, when I was, when I woke up south of Chicago, it said I would, uh, I would get home on, uh, Waze because it says, like, when you're supposedly going to get home, it said it's 10:59 p.m. And I'm like, okay, uh, that's not going to happen. And then <laughs> as, as I was journeying and journeying, it kept on going later and later because obviously I'm stopping, you know, going to the bathroom, getting food, whatever. Um, and eventually it said, like, I don't know, 11, or something like that. But, uh, no, I got home. Just, just right before eleven, uh, <laughs> local. So, yeah, I made, I made the original time, which is a miracle. <laughs>
0: That's because you didn't see any of North Dakota or Eastern, Minnesota or uh, yeah, Montana, because it was a blur as it went by. <laughs> yes, it was very blurry. <laughs> it went by very, very fast. <laughs> All right, so let's not go and recap uh, National Jamboree. Anybody who wants to find out about that can read all the blog posts, check out Facebook, and see uh, the YouTube live stream. I guess I don't know. Did you guys post all of that, or is it just a like you know? Two weeks of people walking around, or
2: <laughs> no, you know I I did a one day stream of the station, and um, it, the, the weather just wasn't cooperative enough for me to set up my gear properly to like record the station without getting like equipment wet or <laughs> some other kind of act of God on the equipment. So I, I just recorded inside of the station, uh, just kind of like the walking around and stuff like that. Um, and I, I think I just put it on Facebook Live. I don't I don't know if I actually put it out on. I might have put it on YouTube. Did I put it on YouTube? Maybe I did. I just don't remember.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, good enough. There's there's enough resources, and you can always just email Bill if you want to find out more about National Jamboree and how it was this year. But let's get into our random topic pick for tonight, and hopefully it, this might be a short one. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, there's only 10 topics left, so if you guys have suggestions, please let us know. Send them in however you want. Social media, email, whatever works for you. We definitely need to, well... Before long, we're going to have to hunker down and think of some new stuff anyway, but uh, it's always nice to have suggestions from the audience. Let's go ahead and spin the wheel and see what we get. There's a little stutter in the wheel tonight. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I already have an answer for this, because I still think it holds true, but our topic for tonight is the worst thing about Linux.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, hunker
0: down, where do we start? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's not go too far into it, but I'm going to start with the one thing that's always been a huge bugaboo about Linux for me, it is getting better, so... I will say that, and, and I'm not going to go down the, the rabbit hole of uh, audio subsystems because we all know there's a horrible um, progress is being made. But I think the biggest problem with Linux, at least for me, has always been printers. Um, <clears throat> That's that's getting better, too. Support for printers is, is improving. Uh, automatic configuration for printers is also improving. Um, the subsystem has never been super easy to navigate. CUPS is okay if you know how to get to it and what you're doing. The GUI overlays for CUPS tend to be pretty bad. And uh, manufacturer driver support for Linux also tends to be pretty bad, which all sums up to be bad so <laughs> that's that's my number one pick it's a uh, it's tied i think with the uh, audio subsystem but uh yeah printers printers in linux suck so
2: really yeah i have not had that experience maybe we just i, have, have, I think i have mentioned I, no, I think i've even mentioned on the show multiple times how incredible i think like the printer detection and everything else is in ubuntu starting that like version you know 20.04 yeah. okay so
0: so wait starting at 2004 when when did ubuntu
2: become ubuntu well i mean you know we've gone through (laughs) yeah pain and suffering but i think like it's better than windows now by a long shot okay and it's a sure in the hell better than mac mac printers i mean if you're lucky to even have a driver unless your printer was made you know last week that's about the only time you're gonna have a driver for it like they've they have annihilated printers that are like 10 years old and stuff like that, and hell, my printer's at least 10 years old.
0: Well, see, I have decent printers, and I also have decent printer driver support uh, with these latest Xeroxes. Um, those have always been really good. Um, but again, that's a recent turn of events for me. Good printer mm. support. And I've used what, you know, are plenty available commodity printers in the past. You know, your Epsons, your Canons, your Hewlett-Packard's, your, your whatever. And the thing is, the, the like, Like if you need to do something with the output of the printer, like if you need to change the page orientation or whether it's in color or the DPI or whatever, it's to me, it's not super clear. And it can vary depending on your printer model and it can vary by driver. And sometimes you can only change things when you're accessing cups through port 631. Sometimes you can do it through the front end interface. Mm. To me, it's
2: a little, it's still clunky. Well I mean, if you're talking about some of like the the customized stuff that you could do in the driver, I would probably agree i would I would say though, like in general, the printer support is good i I'm probably also compressing time, so it's probably like even like back to eighteen o four or whatever you know because I've had the same printer since I lived in Tampa, so that's been thirteen years fourteen years now <laughs> and uh yeah, it uh It's always been easy to print. Now, I will say that there is disparity amongst the many different print interfaces when you hit the print button. Like, there is no consistency in that meaning you may or may not see options that you would think you would need like i agree specifically that- like like you know like chrome has its own little thing and then this app has its own little print thing and then you know gimp has its own little print thing and everything everything has its own little print thing and they're not the same
0: yeah it would be kind of nice if there was a generalized Print API, maybe, um, if I'm thinking about this correctly, where, or, or a library where you, where all the applications hook into it. And so they have access to all the things and, and don't like, you know, maybe LibreOffice has its own, like, integration with, uh, the CUPS backend or, um, uh, whatever and, and, implements it in its own way. It'd be nice if there's some consistency across applications and things like that. Um, it, there doesn't seem to be. And sometimes, Sometimes, you, you know, you'll go into an application and click print, and then it'll bring up a print dialog and then down at the bottom, there'll be an option to like go into the printers print dialog instead of the applications print dialog. So it's so yeah, like a system dialog,
2: right? The system dialog. Yeah. Print dialogue, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm I'm not impressed. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to say, Windows is just as bad. I mean, I
0: think Windows is a little more consistent, though. I think I think even uh, where it disagrees across applications and and uh, drivers and stuff like that, I think the feels more
2: consistent. Yeah, but yeah, mm, I, I don't know. <laughs> But no, I agree. I agree with you 100. percent Because it is your opinion, and that's fine, and that's all that <laughs> matters. <laughs> I will just say that it's just like, yeah, there's disparity in printing everywhere. Because I think at some point, everyone wants to kill printers. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, I mean, we, I
0: don't. We, know. we
2: wanted printerless labs and everything else, you know, 15 years ago, and we, you know, I still see them printing out stuff every day. So yeah, the printer should be dead by now. I don't know why we still print things out.
0: Yeah, you would think with the ability to have like uh e-tablet, you know, e-ink and stuff like that, you would think that you would never need to have to hand somebody a sheet of paper. You could do it all digitally, but you know, obviously we're we're not there yet. So mm-hmm. Okay, so I have to pick my
2: number one thing.
0: That well, I well, yeah. I mean, I I maybe I'm, there's I think there's two that we don't really want to touch the you know, the first one is audio subsystems, of course, and the second one is uh init subsystems and um if you if you want to pick one of those two, I guess you can, but i don't know maybe maybe you can avoid those <laughs> yeah.
2: well no you know actually i'm I'm pretty happy with the state of things now, so I can't really complain about it anymore. Um, We just need more tools on the new stuff. That's, that's basically all we need. Uh, I would say the thing I hate the most about Linux is the inconsistency in remoting the desktop based upon which window manager you're using and then based upon which technology you have to use in order to accommodate that window manager <laughs> and then your experience through it. Um, yeah, it seems like there's always, there's always yeah, I, like an accommodation you have to make.
0: That's a, that's a really good pick. I almost wish I'd pick that one now <laughs> Cause, uh, Cause, because, uh, yeah. like, the one I wish would work like consistently is RDP X, like XRDP. Like I yeah, wish that's
2: horrible. I know, I get, but
0: I get it's the worst fast
2: experience fast with that
0: one. every time, but it's the fastest one. It always works the best when it works, but it
2: rarely works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way like no machine works. Yeah, but I I did get my machine stuck in a weird state that I could no longer remote to it. (laughs) So uh, I wasn't happy with that. Um, TeamViewer sort of worked occasionally on some systems. I think I used to use that on Fedora. Um, VNC works inconsistently across all of them because generally it doesn't work. And then when it does work, it sort of doesn't really work. Um see so one yeah, thing I one thing it's I really always been a bad like, implementation I think.
0: Yeah, one thing I really like about TeamViewer and it's only a it's only a very limited use case is that I can use it to access my um my Fusion repeater box on Windows mm-hmm. from a Linux desktop and it only it only works because you can have TeamViewer not grab the remote PC's audio. Right. Cuz like the other ones even if you're not hearing the audio, it seems to, uh, tap into the audio subsystem and try to mask it, to it, it. it or something. It, uh, team viewer doesn't do that. And if yeah, no if, like, machine
2: doesn't do that too. So
0: it's yeah, just so like I might, I, yeah, I might try using no machine too, in that case. Cause like, because the problem is on the fusion repeater thing, if, if the window, ma- not the window manager, if the remote desktop client taps into the audio system it steals it from the repeater yeah (laughs) which is a
2: bad thing now i mean most people would say that well maybe some people say well you're using linux you're supposed to be in the command line in a secure shell session (laughs) yeah but no i mean it is the year of the linux desktop right so over (laughs) three percent yay (laughs) three percent yeah so suck it microsoft um Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just been such a bad experience over the years that that one sort of just still rubs me as as kind of like it would be nice if there was the standard tool that would just work. And the closest I've come to it is no machine. But I hear Rust, like, is there a Rust Desktop or something like that supposed to work? A Rust Top? Is that what is that what it's called? Oh, I heard I... that mentioned. I think I tested that a while ago. Rust Top or Rust Desk, something like that. It's Rust Desk. You know, yeah, Rust Desk. So I haven't tried that one yet, but uh, I think I did try it originally when it was early, and I didn't have any success with it, so I didn't really mess with it. But I think that's another one to test out. But yeah, um, well, that's at least uh, my one of my pain points. Um, why don't you pick another one? <laughs> um, I'm not sure.
0: Oh, oh, um. The ability to do secure file sh- file system sharing that is easy. <laughs> like yeah, you can you can export your drives or whatever as CIFS, you know, using Samba and mount them that way with authentication and stuff. But if you want to do something more natively, like for example NFS, which I use a lot, and I use AutoMounter a lot, um, in order to do that securely like not ip based but authentication based the only way i'm aware of that you can do that is with kerberos and kerberos is a nightmare so um unless there's just something about it i'm missing but if if you even just read if you don't even try and implement kerberos you just read how it works it sounds like a nightmare so um I would love for there to be some sort of uh, authenticated NFS-type thing. And if there is such a thing, uh, I would gladly have someone point it out to me. (laughs) Well, what are you trying to do? Just uh, quickly send files back and forth between computers? No, I'm trying to mount shares on uh, remote, you know, on uh, geographically disparate computers. But I don't want to do it. I don't want to authenticate it by IP because I have some that change.
2: So... Well, let me introduce you to my friend, Tailscale. Because <laughs> <laughs> guess what, IPs don't change.
0: Um, yeah, but you're talking about, like, I don't necessarily want to implement a
2: VPN to do this, necessarily. It's fairly transparent to everything else that's going on in the machine. Yes, and I've been hearing a lot about Tailscale, <laughs> so... <laughs> and let me tell you, the Tailscale send for sending quick files back and forth between PCs, amazing! <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is literally okay. So so uh, without
0: giving too much away, I just want to have a situation where, like, I have a computer sitting here at my house mm-hmm. behind a router, you know, a mm-hmm. NAT um, that is mounting uh, server file systems via whatever method um, on remote machines. Those those IP addresses don't change, and they need to be always accessible on the local machine here so and and act as if they're a
2: local file system that's what i want to do interesting well you said the the remote file systems never change their ip but your, your internal machine may my internal machine may and there therefore
0: i have to on the remote side if i'm using nfs i either have to use kerberos Or I have to account for any possible IP address that the request mount that could be coming from, which is problematic.
2: Mm, Interesting. Well, yeah, if you controlled all three, then I would definitely say tailscale because the addresses would never change. You could plug your server into a hotel room and it would still work.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll look into it and see if it's an option.
2: But um, yeah, so anyway,
0: there you go. Do you have a second one? Oh, I could probably come up with many. Well, I think I think one more is probably good since we've already we've already hammered out uh, audio
2: and in it. So Yeah, we already passed those, right? We can we right. can't use. Those. Um It's such a perfect thing. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm going to have to uh, I have to go with uh, package management. Okay. Uh, all the package managers, the 5,000 different ways to add packages to your system, and sometimes not being able to add a package to your system because it's not built for you, and then you spend hours upon hours trying to figure out what type of combination of tomfoolery you need to do to get a particular uh, source package to install in your system, um, which may or may not discombobulate your dependencies on your system, because maybe you then compile the dependency instead of uh you know downloaded the package for the dependency and now let's say at some point in the future <laughs> you have a dependency issue <laughs> where it brings in the package that wasn't there when you re- originally created it and all of a sudden now you have an issue with you know your static linking or whatever source linking um very similar to uh uh like what well like we were shown on my system because i had manually installed something from source instead of using an AUR <laughs> and I was promptly scolded at Hamvention for not using <laughs> what was it, yay or something like that. Yeah, yay. Of course I I use Peru on my system, which is basically the same thing. But anyway, um yeah, I mean I understood I understood the value of doing that now. Um but on systems where you know the Arch user repository or whatever is not even not even a glimmer. Of existence like debian and fedora and stuff like that so you're kind of list listing the sea of snaps and flat packs and app images and then god forbid you actually have to compile it yourself um yeah yeah it would be nice it would be nice sometimes if like you know we didn't have to compile sdr angel by scratch <laughs> Something like that on a system that it really isn't designed for. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, the alternative, of course, is like, well, we only have one way to do packages, and it's a flat pack or something like that, which obviously many people do not want to go down that road. (laughs) <laughs> you've already made your points well well uh <laughs> documented and annotated on your dislike for uh, those kinds of packages and stuff like that um but yeah it's like uh yeah it would be easier it would definitely be easier selling the idea of doing this if some things didn't use, send you down massive rabbit holes just in order to get something to test
0: yep absolutely but but other than the, but other than all these things we've discussed, Linux is great, so
2: yeah, it's great, you know
0: whatever, <laughs> except for like you know don't download a kernel that sucks, you know <laughs> yeah, don't, don't uh, download the latest bleeding edge kernel that doesn't actually work or or whatever <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, that's enough about that's enough Linux hate for one night, I guess. <laughs> I know, it's not even hate. It's just silly little things, you know. I don't know. There's yeah. things that, uh, you know, I, I realize we we make a lot of accommodations even though many it seem like many, but we make a lot of accommodations to operate our lives inside of Linux, and I think for the most part they're really good cuz like I think the software choices that are out there are amazing. And unhighlighted at best, uh, at what what is actually out there to run, like for videoing and video editing, and photo editing, and everything else. I mean, there's just too many tools to even list. You know, not everything has to be done with Adobe or something like that. Um, yeah, I'm just always amazed at what you can what you can do and. That there's about a billion alternatives for most things.
0: Yep. No, I definitely enjoy all of the high points, but there there are still some some little sticky wickets that that need to be hammered out. So, and I, I know progress is being made in, in many of these areas. So. We'll just have to see when, when everything consolidates into a uh, useful thing that we can stop complaining about well, you know, audio subsystems and init systems and bad remote management and so on and so forth. So, all right, yeah. well, let's do some happy stuff, shall we? For sure. All right, so hedonism time. Let's get into the hedonism. Because Cheryl's not here, I'm just going to go down through her her couple of recipes. She does have a regular recipe and a drink recipe. And unfortunately, as I was saying before the show, uh, she hasn't made this one, this uh, recipe yet. She's going to make it in the next few days, but I won't won't have any input on it. I'm assuming it's good, but (laughs) I won't know for sure until we try it. So... Her, her food recipe for this time around is slow cooker huli huli chicken. And the description on it is crock pot huli huli chicken is a dinner you can set and forget because it's, of course, cooked in a crock pot. Uh, come back and enjoy it in all of its tropical goodness. Each bite of fork tender chicken is flavored with the best sauce made of ginger, garlic, ketchup, brown sugar, and pineapple juice. It's the perfect mix of sweet, tangy, and savory. It kind of you know, sounds like a uh, sweet and sour mixed with, uh, teriyaki or something. <laughs> so, but, uh, so the ingredients for it are unsweetened pineapple juice, soy sauce, brown sugar, ketchup, ginger root, minced garlic, boneless chicken or chicken breasts, if you prefer, and some corn starch. And the basic idea is in a medium bowl, you whisk together your juice, soy sauce, brown sugar, ketchup, ginger, and garlic to make a nice sauce. You place chicken thighs into a crock pot or your breasts, of course, and pour your sauce mixture on top of it. Cook on low for five to seven hours. And uh, when it's uh, removed from the crock pot, you whisk your cornstarch to thicken the sauce. And you can either enjoy your chicken in the whole thigh pieces with the sauce or shred the chicken and add the shredded chicken to a crock pot and stir it into the sauce. And if you shred it, it makes an ideal sandwich filler for a topping on rice. That sounds pretty good. I can't wait to try it. Yeah, sounds good. And, of course, uh, she picked a drink that she she knows I know about because it's one <laughs> of my favorites. <laughs> and that is the classic Mai Tai. Uh, anytime I go to a restaurant that actually serves a Mai Tai, I will probably get one because I didn't have time. Um, and she put in here that it's one of my favorite drinks. It absolutely is. And it goes, apparently, with the Huli Huli Chicken. So that means I'm going to be trying to make some Mai Tais whenever that comes around. So this particular recipe calls for dark rum, white rum, OJ, Cointreau, or triple sec, fresh lime juice, orgit syrup, or pure almond extract, super fine granulated sugar, grenadine, and you can garnish with an orange slice. So this is one of those shake and not stirred recipes. You put it in a shaker with uh, ice cubes, shake it till it's really, really cold and a little bit foamy, strain it into an old fashioned glass and enjoy. And I think uh, I I tend to float like a little 151 with the dark rum on a decent Mai Tai, and you know because that gives you that little extra kick. So yummy, yummy Light it on fire.
2: <laughs> there
0: you go. There you go. Uh, I don't think they generally do that, and I think in a lot of cases they don't garnish with an orange slice. They garnish with a, a wedge of uh, pineapple. But uh, either way, good stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to have you do your whatever
2: corner first before I do my drink corner. So. Oh yeah! So uh, this is a <laughs> bottle I picked up uh, on the road, and of course, uh, this is, should be no no surprise to people. This is Russell's Reserve, uh, Kentucky straight rye whiskey, six year um i saw it rye and i didn't really see anything else on the shelf that i wanted so i was like i'll get that it's no big deal you know i've I've had russell's reserve the regular bourbon and stuff like that uh from the website it says it's complex and spicy the russell's reserve six-year-old rye delivers a lively taste profile of citrus zest and subtle caramel with a black pepper finish uh, they say it's a deep mahogany in color and it's robust nose with notes of roasted almonds, vanilla, caramel and cinnamon i don't know the nose is not not as good as that i don't think but whatever uh <laughs> the taste complex allspice pepper and almond flavors yeah it tastes like rye bourbon um and the finish smooth long lingering with rye spice and dried fruit yeah you know it's not bad but on my rye scale of rye you know it's not it's it's no rossville union that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's a good rye. I, I think it's um it's pretty good. You know, you, you of course say it uh, it's got the funk, right? It's the uh, it's because it's from the Wild Turkey factory, right? Um, well,
0: I haven't tried the rye, but the the Russell's Reserve definitely does. But it's also really good. I've I've had the ten year, and I've had the single barrel, and I really like their their bourbon lineup. And it definitely you you definitely if you if you have the spread, if you if you've had the experience, and you've tried the different Wild Turkeys like the Rare Breed and the One Hundred and One, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, you can see where it fits uh but it's also got its own character so
2: yeah i think the, the the flavor is really good on it you know i'm just uh just sipping it here and yeah it's I amazing mean, it's, it's it's really good i mean it's it's way better than mictors it's way better than yeah well it's way better than the wild turkey 101 rye it's way better than old forester 100 rye um all your basic you know what do you call them? middle shelf to, to bottom shelf ryes? <laughs> it's definitely better than those um but yeah the rosswell union still you know edges way out there and of course um yeah, that other one, that RY3, that one is really good. That's probably better than a Rossville Union. and uh, I like Peerless, too. The Peerless, yeah, the Peerless is sort of... Although I have had a bad bottle of Peerless, so, but I guess they're all small batch, so... Yeah, it's possible, um, but I've had a really good Peerless. The one, the one I brought to you where we had that, that one was really good. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, it's fine yeah. You know, if you want to if you want a solid rye that is you know checks all the boxes it's it's definitely it's definitely that good like i mean you could probably make a really nice old-fashioned with it. it's definitely got the spice in it and stuff like that so um but it's also it's fine just to sip it it's uh it's it's pretty good it's pretty good we'll leave it at that all right very it's, about, good. it's about 40 bucks 40 i think it may be 40 44 something like that i don't know depends on your state
0: okay i might pick that up i'm I'm definitely trying to get into some more rye, which is why i'm going to talk about a rye too and it's also a really good rye in this case, it's the Stellum Rye, but this is a barrel proof uh, barrel pick from one of the local stores, and um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's quite good. The uh, description from Stellum is the identum, the the identum, the identity of Stellum Rye is rooted in a tried-and-true 95% rye Indiana mash bill, which is a complex and overburdening way of saying that it's MGP. To enhance this classic style, we incorporate small amounts of more barley-forward rye and choice barrels from both Kentucky and Tennessee. This brings a full, round mouthfeel and flashes of buttery sweetness to an otherwise spicy and tightly-focused rye whiskey. And I will say, whatever they've done to this MGP rye really works. Mm. Uh, this particular bottle, uh, this, the regular Stellum, I don't know what it's bottle at, probably like, uh 86 or something i don't know uh but this one is uh higher mash bill as i already said is 95% rye 5% malted barley the proof on it is 116.36 which is 58.18 percent abv it's uh listed as kentucky tennessee and indiana because the influences of uh grains and barrels from those various places uh are incorporated color shown is deep copper and uh for a rye i've got to say this is pretty complex the nose has stewed apple peach pear nutmeg clove mint and licorice and that's just sticking your nose in the glass that's not even you know tasting it and then when you do get a chance to uh, pour it down your gullet you can taste anise cardamom coriander lemon zest sour orange green apple spearmint and light sweetness and there's probably more if i kept sipping on this i could probably give you other notes um but i'm not going to do that because you should probably just go get some of this and find out for yourself and then uh, after it You know, lingers for a little bit. You get a touch of star anise and some baking spice, white pepper, mint, honey, and even a little bit of green tea. And I'm not even a fan of green tea, but when it's mixed in this way with a rye and all the other things going on, I don't mind it so much. But tea is a very distinct palate thing for me, uh, probably because I don't like it. But uh, even that in this is really good. Hmm the uh regular expression i'm sure comes in cheaper this bottle was like 57 dollars, so i'm going to say 60 uh you obviously can't buy this one unless you go to the store that i bought it from but i'm assuming other barrel picks will be similar and the other ones probably taste just as good just probably with a little less punch because not as much alcohol but i'm going to give this one a solid 93 it's a really really good rye and uh I don't think it's quite as good as Rossville Union. I think I gave Rossville Union a 95. Um, Sounds right. I don't know. I'm guessing. So I tried to put this one at close but slightly under uh, Rossville Union because it's really good. And it uh, comes in about the same price point. So that's uh, Stellum Rye and uh, Barrel Proof in this particular case. It's Really good. Hmm. I'll have to keep an eye out for that one. I believe it's coming everywhere at, at some point. Um, I don't know if it's in Montana yet, but it should be soon. Who who makes it? Stellum, S-T-E-L-U-M. Oh, their
2: own, own They're not like a part of a bigger company or whatever.
0: Nope, they're the people who make uh, barrel barrel B-A-R-R-E-L-L barrel spirits. Hmm. So. I seen uh, that either. Um. <laughs> you've you've probably seen it barrel is interesting it's a very niche thing maybe someday we'll talk about barrel because what they do is they what they do is kind of like what compass box does if you're familiar with them no So okay well maybe maybe we'll have a maybe we'll have one of these uh weekenders about compass box and barrel because they're very interesting and yeah. uh bardstown is also kind of similar so they do things a little different maybe we need a deep dive <laughs> Yeah. <a> deep dive. <laughs> Oh, well, we're going to start doing a uh, weekend or deep dives. That'll be, that'd be weird. Uh, okay. So <laughs> I People talk- really like sign off on our podcast, right? Maybe we'll have to do like a video, like short or something and, and just do that for YouTube. That that might be kind of a cool thing. Yeah, so we show what we're talking about. Oh, there's show and tell. Mm. Yeah. And that, that would actually force me to buy some barrel bourbon because uh, I, <laughs> I tend to stay away from barrel because it's on the pricey side. It's usually around 90 bucks a bottle. Oh. So, um, yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting if people are interested in this kind of stuff, so that might be worth doing. Anyway, announcements and feedback. Don't have anything except if you have any show topics for the weekenders, please send them our way. We, we would love to have them. Do you have anything before we move on? Nope.
2: Nope, nope. I mean, if the, if they'd like to hear more about that topic you just talked about, they can always suggest that. As our random topic can be that specific topic, in <laughs> oh. uh, a weekender.
0: Okay, I, I will say this: if um, if if listeners sub- submit uh, five topics, just a total of five from any number of people. Um, I will put that on the the list, the random topic list, and if it comes up, we'll do that as a video podcast. I mean, we'll obviously release it as audio too, but I'll I'll make sure I have all the different things: a compass box, a barrel, and, and uh, some Bardstown and stuff like that, and we'll do the whole thing as a video podcast and release it on YouTube as a as a video as well. Sweet.
2: So, all right. And uh, I'll just go ahead and let you do the new subscriber stuff. What the hell? Sure. Uh, We did not have any new subscribers or Patreons this week, but we did have on Facebook, Richard Colley, or Colley, Colley, Colley. I'll just stick with Colley. Uh, On Twitter, we had at StacyWH72244513. Doesn't sound like a phone number, so don't have to call her. Uh, And at Madeira. Uh, on Instagram, we didn't have anybody. On Mastodon, we had uh, KJ6DBE, KU7PDX, AG7GM. On YouTube, we had Mark Dahmers. Uh, No one joined the mailing list. Over on Discord, we had Danilo Thane, 69. Uh, No merchandise sales. And in the live chat, which it doesn't look like it's changed, we have Ted, W-A-0-E-I-R, and Winston, K-D-2-W-L-L. All right,
0: very good. Well, thanks, everybody, for participating in this weekender. Glad to have you. Uh, Thanks for the folks who showed up live, and, of course, to everyone who supports the show, either financially or by just listening we appreciate each and every one of you it's why we do this every week um you know wouldn't be a show without you so thank you very much and uh we hope you have a good week and we'll tune in for the next one but until then we'll go ahead and sign off for here for the uh still on r and r i guess uh cheryl w5 mo i'll sign off from this episode 106th weekender episode number 512 of linux in the ham shack i'm russ k5 tux and I'm Bill, NE4RD73.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreoncom Podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter, and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at or leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine 909 lhs show That's one 547 7469 Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info fun and fashionable show themed merchandise until next time remember to always heed your hedonism